Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. There you go. Right, Chris, it's just us now. We can say what we want without worrying yeah, about him. I'm not going to thank him. I haven't gone yet. <laughs> no. Still here, for fuck's sake. I'm going Brilliant. around switching off. Jesus. Okay, uh, bye, George. No more quizzes. George. Next season. George. Hello, and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name's Taylor Payne. Coming up on our final show of the season. The season is over and Newcastle somehow managed to finish in 12th place after victories against Sheffield United and Fulham. We'll go over the main talking points from the two final games. And we'll be discussing the best, the worst, the weird and the wonderful and handing out gongs across a number of categories in the Pod on the Time End of Season Awards. But before we get into any of that nonsense, how are we doing, chaps, Chris and George? Are we glad that it's all over and done with? I know I certainly am. Absolutely delighted. Deliriously so. <laughs> you both sound really happy today, by the way. Sorry, no. I was, I was trying to be deep and meaningful. I was trying to sound serious. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not feeling miserable. I've just been... I was at Fulham, so that was quite nice. Quite nice to hear people's, uh, people's voices in a stadium again, which I did... Uh, Chris was at the uh, Sheffield United game, so I enjoyed enjoyed that. And but yeah, seeing yeah. my family for the first time for fourteen months that was that was good. So no, I'm feeling Amazing. I'm feeling moderately upbeat, but I'm very glad this is finished. I'm very glad that the football's finished. So now 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 I can get on enjoy with enjoying the football in the European Championships. It's been a long season, hasn't it, Chris? I mean, there was a point in March where it felt like we'd just been playing football forever. Well, it's been—it's almost like two seasons were merged into one. I know there was the sort of three or four month break uh, the mid- towards the end of last season, but then it's almost been continuous from sort of June onwards. And I mean, the players at all clubs, managers, coaches, everyone is physically and mentally shattered, mentally more than anything else, I imagine, because I've been in these COVID bubbles. Writers. <laughs> writers, yeah. Writers. It's just essential, I think, that, that, that there is this break. And uh, unfortunately for a lot of them, there isn't going to be that much of a break with the Euros, with like the likes of Mel- Miguel Almiron going to, to play in the, the Copper America, potentially. So for some players, it doesn't really stop, but, but hopefully... Uh, we will see everyone come back, including fans, a l- more refreshed next season because it's just been a long slog. It certainly has. Anyway, chaps, before we crack on with the podcast, uh, let's just tell you about the latest offer from The Athletic. Uh, so right now you can subscribe to The Athletic UK for a special price of three ninety nine a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. And that is value in anybody's book, isn't it, Chris? Uh, you'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, such as the wonderful George Corkin here and the fantastic Mr. Chris Woff. 
as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. Chris, have you got anything interesting in the pipeline? Are you doing anything? Are you raking over the coals of the season for The Athletic? I am indeed. So there is already up on The Athletic at the moment my sort of season review, bit of an alternative season review, talking about uh, the sort of key point moments from it, key players, the sort of things we'll discuss on this, but also a, a few bits beyond that. Um, there is, I'm going to be having a piece in the next few days looking at what Newcastle need to do and what they're going to try to do during the the window this summer and also in the course of the next few days I'm going to be working with uh, Mark Carey who's our one of our very very good data analysts to sort of look at players who are statistically similar to Joe Willock in case Newcastle United cannot sign him in case Arsenal decide not to accept Mike Ashley's offer of 25% off lifetime supply of Sports Direct uh, good <laughs> socks Dominic socks <laughs> and a big cup a big cup what about you George you got anything in the pipeline well, so I was at Fulham so I've I wrote about that mm-hmm. and sort of that sense of the season ending not with a full stop but with a question mark as it can it always does for Newcastle mm. so it feels that yeah. um and kind of as I wrote sort of suspended in this lack of animation I mean it's, it's amazing really in terms of big picture stuff how little has changed over the course of the season, the club's still up for sale. The takeover is still there, lingering in the background. And, you know, that sort of excuse almost not to progress the club, um, not not that we feel Mike Ashley needs an excuse, but, um, you know, is still there. And those kind of big picture things are still are still with us. And so, you know, that idea of what what is the club trying to do? Who are they? What do they want to be? Um, has has not left us really so I've written about that I'm actually interviewing um, Matt Grimes the Swansea captain later today ahead of their playoff final against um, Brentford this weekend which obviously there's the Freddie Woodman interest from a Newcastle point of view correct well there you go so well the podcast might be taking a little break for the summer, but Chris and George will still be putting out fantastic content uh, throughout the summer months and over pre-season as well. And also you've got lots of wonderful stuff about the Euros that's going to be there as well. Uh, so get yourself onto theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod uh, and take advantage of that special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Right then, chaps, we didn't get the chance to talk about that Sheffield United game at St. James's Park. George, I'll come to you first with this. It was absolutely brilliant to see fans back inside the ground, wasn't it? And I have to say, I was a little bit emotional watching that, and I wasn't even there. Yeah, well, I think Chris, in some ways, is best to, to sort of answer that question, because I think you you did get a bit choked up, didn't you, Chris, when um, when the teams came out at, at the start of that game and, and, oh, the noise, and the noise hit you? No, I generally did, and it was... I sort of thought in advance that I might be a little bit emotional. I know we spoke to Kendall last week, and she suggested that, that maybe she wouldn't be, but I think it's almost... In a, in a way, I know I've been privileged to be there for the course of the last year, but also it's been soul-destroying in many ways to sit inside that empty stadium, no atmosphere whatsoever. And it was as soon as the goalkeepers ran out to warm up, there was just, there was only at that stage maybe less than a 1,000 fans in. And it, just to hear the roar even then, every single player was cheered as a, it, it, when they were read out of, over the tannoy, particularly for Joe Willock and for, for Alan Maximan. And then when the players actually came out and just to hear the whole of the stadium, it did sound... Like far more than ten thousand. I mean, maybe that is accentuated because we haven't heard anything for a year. I don't know, but it did sound. It made such a such a difference. And what was, what you can really tell is just how there's that symbiotic relationship between Alan Sam Maximan and the supporters. They feed off him. He feeds off them. And yet, to hear the first the roar the first time he got the ball and the first time he went to do something was just. It was. It was. It was sort of that that. Spine tick, you were just like, wow, this is what we've been missing. Because otherwise, it had been Ansat Maximum taking on players, only journalists there to witness it. Whereas now, it was fans, and he feeds off that, and you can see that that helps him grow. And then, so it just works backwards and forwards. And it was just, it was absolutely wonderful. But that whole thing of football, you know, football is fundamentally nonsense, isn't it? It's ridiculous. The whole idea of football is just stupid. And really, the idea of 50,000 people then going to watch it and pretending it's important is stupid. You know, the whole thing is stupid. Let's not be, you know, but it becomes important because we make it important and because we get together and we all have that invested hope and fear and trepidation and anger and love and all those things. And you strip those things away and it's nothing. And 
So we've had a year of pretending. I mean, I don't mean that in a in a bad way. I'm not saying that people don't care and stuff like that, but it's just not. It's not the same thing. It's it has to be a it's a beating heart and yeah, just hearing those voices, you know, not being that woeful fake soundtrack anymore and it being real people's voices it 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 really was it was it was choking you know watching that on the television i got a bit of that at fulham at the weekend it was slightly different there were only two these 2000 people at craven cottage they're having one of their uh big stands redone so it was a smaller it was a smaller capacity but you just get to and i was kind of in some ways i was a little bit moved by the fact that they all came onto the pitch and they got a good a nice ovation even though that you know they've had a bad season overall and they've gone straight back down but just that feeling of you know just just able to watch football and there's an immediate response to what you're seeing um is just is just so lovely and yeah to, as chris says you know hope hopefully we're in a position next season when when our stadiums are, are full again fingers crossed you know they find a way of making that possible I don't care what anybody says, and there isn't a player on this earth who, when they knock the ball past someone and run past them into an attacking position, and you hear that crowd in one all shout, go on, at the same time, that there's not one player on this planet that that doesn't help. Do you know what I mean? Like, we can we can say what we want about fans not being in the grounds, and some I know some people have said that. Maybe it's helped players because it's took the pressure off them a little bit. But my God, if you've got that crowd screaming at you to get forward and pushing you on and pushing you into the box, that 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 must count for so much when you're a player. It must, and I think you've almost got the opposite as well in terms of there was a few occasions against Sheffield United where Newcastle was sluggish and uh, they gave the ball away or the pass was wrong. And, and, and although the crowd were, were ridiculously positive throughout and really stayed with the team, you still get the, the, the natural reaction of sort of groans or whatever. And you, you see more of an immediate response from players as well, whereas on a few occasions in, in other behind-closed-doors games, maybe players wouldn't react as, as swiftly to that. And maybe, Whereas when the crowd gets yeah. on your back... Yeah, immediately that there's that response and there is that added intensity. The, the game doesn't drop off as much. I know it was end of season. I know that it was dead rubber in many ways, but equally it didn't. The intensity didn't drop off as, as much as it could do. Whereas I found a lot of behind closed doors games there was sort of lulls in matches where the intensity dropped. Whereas fans tend not to allow that to happen as much. Yeah, George Joe Willock cannot and will not stop scoring goals, will he? What a fantastic signing he's been. And now nominated for Premier League Player of the Month as well. Well, he stopped now because there are no more games left. No, he will not. He refuses well, to stop. Gonna he do, where's he going to do? He's scoring. How? He's doing it now in his back garden. Right. And he's just still standing there scoring goals. Yeah, it's honestly, it's astonishing, isn't it? Amazing. It's astonishing. And thank, thank... What a boy. Thank goodness he has. Um... But no, his. Well, yeah. I mean, his. I mean, we'd be screwed without him. Yeah, yeah. His his impact has just been phenomenal. It's been, um, it's been really good to see. Really good to see. And yeah, sort of no to nobody's surprise, he did it. He did it again. But, and you know, when when I talk about sort of the question marks at the end of the season, he he of course is, um, you know, one of the biggest in the sense that, um, you know, what an open goal it is. Theoretically, what an open goal it is for the club to 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 make that make that move permanent. I mean, obviously there are a lot of things um, that can get in the way with that. Not least Willock's own opinion, um, Arsenal's opinion, um, as well as the usual stuff that always affects things at Newcastle, like Mike Ashley's opinion and how much money there is, and so on and so forth. But you know, it's like if you're looking for if you're looking for the best easiest way to try and get people on board then um you know then 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 signing him feels like a no-brainer i mean it is that it is that thing that i've seen repeated on twitter time and time again don't fall in love with a lone player don't fall in love with a lone player don't oh, fall in love God, but it's too late isn't it it's too late we're it's done we're, we're headed yeah, i mean i'm in love the, the yeah the flowers have been ordered. The, the church has been booked it's 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 gone that far hasn't but it will he turn it's, up you know, it's not fair up? Well, no, he won't. <laughs> but it's—I no, mean, it's—it'll it, be sad if we don't. It's sad if we don't get to see Joe Willock in a, in a Newcastle shirt again, isn't it? Because I think he's really connected with the fans, and some of the goals he scored, and and you know, some of the performances he's put in have been brilliant, Chris, haven't they? And it's—he's just propelled Newcastle forward in this last sort of 10, 12 games that we've had, where we've 
we've picked up and we've and we've played really well. He has. He's brought exactly to be fair what Steve Bruce has said that he's wanted in a midfielder for so long. He's he's targeted that. He wanted more energy, he wanted someone who could drive forward with the ball, carry possession, and also score goals from midfield. I mean, ironically, Newcastle's top goalscorer last season was a midfielder in John Joe Shelby, but he's not someone who's known for scoring a lot of goals. That was <laughs> yeah. because Newcastle lacked the ability to score a lot of goals. And Willig has come in, he's got seven in seven. No Newcastle player's done that in the Premier League since Alan Shearer, but he's the only other player to have done that in the Premier League. He's scored more goals than many strikers have in the Premier League this season. And you've got to remember, a few of those goals were as a substitute as well. So yeah, his absolutely. goals to minute ratio is is astonishing. Um, and it's a purple patch, which, I mean, it's, it's unsustainable. It's, it wouldn't continue if he came back to Newcastle. But I think he brings far more. I mean, George and I had a sort of conversation yesterday where we were talking about, well, what, what else does he bring? And I, I think he's a player you, you don't see all of the time in a match. But then when you do see him, he tends to, to, to have an impact. Yes, he, tend, he either will win possession in a dangerous area to turn over the ball and, and get Newcastle out of the pitch. Or he'll, he'll drive forward with the ball. Or he'll be, he'll be arriving in the box late and whether his teammate finds him or not he's, he's that sort of presence that is difficult to pick up on for defenders and what I noticed at the Sheffield United games well we'll back closer to the pitch in the in, in the press box and there was a few moments where he was sometimes a little sloppy where the ball went beyond him or it looked like he was going to be second best to get to the ball and he has he has this ability to still win possession even though that's the case he, he seems to to buy himself the, the he seems to, to just have that ability to get to get ahead of people to, to get the ball and then to, to create that room to move forward and he really has added so much to Newcastle and, and the I think the concern for this summer is that just beyond Willick, even if, if Newcastle sign Willick, it, it's a real positive, but they're essentially now signing Willick to, to sort of stand still in some ways. I don't mean that in a negative sort of sense, but obviously if they don't sign Willick, then the squad is immediately weaker than it was as of Sunday. And so they need they need Willick just to be able to, to have this ability to potentially go into next season with the players they've got. If they don't if they don't sign Willick, then suddenly you think that that's a, that's a big, big miss and someone who's made a huge impression both in terms of in the dressing room and obviously upon, on Newcastle fans. Come on, you Maggies. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And I mean, he scored that goal again against Fulham, another goal, uh, a strong run from inside his own half, got a little bit of luck at the end, and then a great finish at the end of it, and scored that uh, that first goal of the game. And also Fabian Scher back as well from injury and then from suspension uh, to roll in a penalty. George, what did you think of that? Because you said last week that penalties must be twatted, and that was absolutely not a twatter of a penalty, was it? No, I don't approve. <laughs> Well, I mean, no, I don't approve. I don't approve of that. I, 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 I work with Alan Shearer on this. He, he did this big, lovely appreciation of Sergio Aguero, and he um, he kind of went through a few of his goals. And as Shearer said, you know, I think we can probably forgive Aguero that ridiculous Penenka recently. And he and he said after that, just hit it. And I'm sorry. Yes. I'm I'm with the greatest striker in the. History of the Premier League. On you always are, George. What? You always are. Well, of course I am. You can't but, go wrong with that. Yeah, but if he you? if he says just hit that. it, then fine. Went in though, didn't it? Well, still a good penalty. Well, I'm not going to deny that it went in. Yeah, it's not a good penalty. It was a. It, 
Went in. It didn't matter. It didn't matter in a game that didn't matter. And so therefore, <laughs> it, it is still matter. a good penalty, though. But I mean, you might not agree with the technique, but it's still a good penalty. You waited <laughs> no, for the goalkeeper to no, go no, the other no. way, and so the goalkeeper already dived and he just no. passed it at the net. It's a good penalty. No, but your, he scored. Your, your argument, your, okay, well, your argument there is therefore that any scoring penalty is a good penalty. And I don't think that's true. You could shout But no, one but off no, your, that, that isn't my argument. My argument is that he, he, wait, he waited, true, though, he no, waited for the keeper to go and then he passed it at the net. That is a good penalty. I'm not saying any goal. A good, twatted penalty. Was. A twatted. I think you can have a good penalty and mi- score. You can you can hit a good penalty and miss. You can still say or sorry, what? not miss. You you can have a good penalty saved, right? No, you because can't. It's not a good penalty. No, of course you can. If you the keeper has got an opportunity to save it, then that's kick. not a good penalty. No, this you If you can have. You can hit a you can hit a penalty perfectly and it can be saved no, it because can't. the keeper because oh. the, listen to me but oh. stop interrupting because the keeper guesses it's get, it's guesswork a lot of the time for a keeper sometimes it's brilliant sometimes it's phenomenal reactions and so on and so forth you can hit a penalty pretty much perfectly and it can be saved. No, because a perfect penalty if would be you, out of reach for a goalkeeper. That was not a good penalty. It was a soft penalty. No, it's you're taking the piss. No. It was like a weak. It was a weak. I'm, I'm no. I'm. I'm going <laughs> to say this. It, you twat a penalty. Hundred times out of hundred, you twat a penalty. That's a good penalty. George, no. What, George? No. If 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 when Aguero penanged his penalty down the middle, if the keeper dives and it goes in, is that a good penalty? No. It's needless. <laughs> it's absolutely needless. Why? Sure, Borton. Why? What? Fuckery. What, That's where it why is, George, give the isn't keeper it? a chance? Absolute fuckery. Why give the keeper a chance? <laughs> I like... Anyway, I like Bobby sh- and Shed's pathetic no, penalty. I like, uh, I like showboatery. Show, I don't have a problem with showboatery. I do have a problem with showboatery at penalties, because it's just stupid. It's just idiotic. We sh- well, we, that penalty we was worth. We should somewhere in the. It should have. It should have been. It should have been chalked. You brought this up. Don't complain about me now talking. <laughs> that penalty should have been chalked up. It should have been a one-nil victory to Newcastle. I'm, I what? I hadn't even thought about oh, this. Dear. I didn't think about this at the time. I haven't thought about it since you've even mentioned it. I barely paid any attention to it at the time because it didn't <sighs> matter. We should get. We should have that goal chalked off, and we should finish thirteenth. <laughs> Well, it did, did make the difference between finishing 12th and 13th on goal difference uh, and around about a £2 million difference in the prize money for the club, apparently. Um, it's a strong end of the season, isn't it, chaps? Chris, it's a really strong end of the season. Steve Bruce will be pleased with that. The club will be pleased with that. And he'll want to take that positivity into the summer and set uh, set Newcastle up for the restart in August. It'll It's going to be one of those summers, isn't it, where there's going to be lots going on, there's lots happening behind the scenes, and it's... All down to whether Newcastle are, you know, in a position to go out and strengthen the squad and what they can do to make that squad stronger for the uh, for the for the next season. Chris, what's your thoughts looking forward? Is it something that that Newcastle can do, or is do we think it's going to be limbo again and we're just waiting to see if we ever get taken over? Well, it was a strong end to the season, and as we've said, as we've reiterated over the last few weeks, I didn't see this coming. I did not see them finishing this strongly. And they do look a team transformed in many ways. Um, to to have beaten, I know that there were two sides who were already relegated and there were end of season dead rubber sort of games, but to have translated the sort of ability to win from Leicester and then coming close against Man City to then against teams who they had to play slightly differently against and it wasn't pretty at times and large parts of the Fulham match are just let Fulham pass the ball around and you can see why in the end Fulham have struggled because they have absolutely no cutting edge whatsoever. Um, and if they did, then it could have got a lot dicier than it even did back in March. But in terms of moving forward, I mean, I've, I've already mentioned that the Willock situation, David Ornstein on uh, the Ornstein and Chapman podcast from The Athletic has been chatting about sort of Arsenal's perspective on this. And it's similar to, to what James Nicholas and I wrote a few weeks ago, that essentially Arsenal are in no real rush to make a decision on this. They're going to wait and see. They quite happy have Joe Willock come back for pre-season. And unless Newcastle would have really make an eye-watering bid early on, then I think that, that, that Arsenal will buy the time a little bit and will Newcastle make an eye-watering bit early on? I mean, I highly doubt it because this is Mike Ashley's Newcastle United. But the, Steve Bruce is going to sit down with Lee Charnley. Uh, I mean, the, the commentator on the TV seemed adamant he was going to sit down with Mike Ashley, but that didn't seem likely to be the case from what Bruce himself was saying last week. He said most of the conversations he has are with Lee Charnley and that they will discuss what happens going forward. The big what-if is obviously the arbitration begins in July for the prospective takeover. 
I don't think a resolution is necessarily imminent in terms of arbitration may happen in one, two, three days, how long it takes. But I don't think it's going to be then the day after there's a sort of ruling on that. So for the for now, Newcastle United have to plan as if Mike Ashley is owner. He probably is going to be owner come the start of next season. Whether it goes on much longer beyond that is, is the unanswerable question. And Bruce has already said he wants three or four players. They need... Uh, forward, particularly if Andy Carroll leaves, as it's looking likely he will, then they need a backup forward. They need a centre back. Bruce wants another centre back. They need a, he would like a left back. They need at least one midfielder, including Willock. They may need two, maybe even more than that. And so they're going to have to scout the loan market. Bruce has already said that they're, that they're looking at free transfers, and that doesn't fill you with that much enthusiasm and, and, and sort of optimism that the team will really strengthen but they have a bit of a platform now which I don't think they had a few months ago but it's whether they can actually use the, the small momentum they've built up and my concern is that, that as so often happens at Newcastle United over summers all of that dissipates we had this in 2019 George wrote about um, how obviously 4-0 away at Fulham Newcastle won on the final day of the season it seemed so much positivity and optimism there and about the start of the next season it was just chaos and any positivity had been completely sucked out of the club that's the ability that Mike Ashley's Newcastle United have I hope this summer is going to be different but history suggests otherwise let's have a little think about the season as a whole and I mean Newcastle started the 2021 season with summer signings of Callum Wilson Jeff Hendrick Jamal Lewis Ryan Fraser and Mark Gillespie returning after 15 years away from the club having been released uh, as a youngster uh, and then Joe Willock came in on loan in January George what what did you think about Newcastle's transfer business at the time in the summer and how does it stack up now looking back over the season well at the time it was it was you know, I spoke to spoke to Steve Bruce about that at the time, and you know, the whole idea was to mitigate against risk. It was it was a no risk policy and no gamble policy. Now, in those terms, I don't think it worked. I mean, I think at the time we all thought it was it was a very solid window. They didn't let anybody leave. They didn't sell anybody, so that was good. And then they brought in um, brought in those. I mean, four first team players plus Mark Gillespie. Um, and it felt like solid, solid business. But of of those players, only Callum Wilson has been a mainstay in the team. Hendrick, um, you know, was a free transfer, but immediately sort of alienated a lot of people. Jamal Lewis arrived with a lot of promise, but isn't in the team as the season ends. And um, you know, there are sort of question marks about about his development and Ryan Fraser we just haven't seen him enough you know just hasn't done it I mean arrived with question marks over his fitness and hasn't hasn't put those question marks to, to one side so I don't think you know if, if, if we're judging it now it's it wasn't as good you know Wilson is obviously is 100% a, a success. That was the best piece of business we did wasn't it was Callum Wilson because without that we would be really really struggling. Yeah for sure and then Willock in January was inspired. So hit and miss. I mean, yeah, just very, very briefly to go back to what Chris said in the previous answer. You know, we have to give huge credit to 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 Steve Bruce and the coaching staff and the players for turning things around. You know, it would have been nice. I would have. I would take a season of Newcastle just being in twelfth, absolutely all the way through, and not having to go through the real shitstorm storms that they went through and the low points that they went through. And yeah, they 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 have finished the season with kind of great positivity. But that was from a very, very, very low base and, you know, producing some of the very worst football that I've ever seen um, Newcastle teams play. And I, I, I wish I wish we hadn't had to do that. But I would agree with that. Can I just pick up on the, on the Willock points? I mean, Wilson was absolutely essential and he was my, he would be my sign of the season in that sense because he, I think he would get into any other team, in the, certainly in the bottom half, and he would improve them. But I also think that Willock was so important because in January... What did Fulham need? Fulham needed a player who could score goals. Newcastle, at the point where they signed Willock, I think a lot of us, and I include myself in this, were a little bit sceptical as to how much he would actually improve them. He did turn out to improve Newcastle. He added further goals from midfield and scored some vital. I mean, the amount of points that he, he, he secured for them towards the end of the season. Whereas what Fulham did was they brought in Josh Madger, who had scored a couple of goals early on, but then just, just fell off a cliff in terms of scoring goals. And they didn't improve. They didn't actually address the issues in their squad. To be fair on Newcastle, although it was a deadline day signing, although it was went under the radar a little bit, Willock made a big difference in the end. It took a few, it took a couple of months for him to make that impact, but he really did in the end. It's a shrewd bit of business, isn't it, Chris? Because conventional wisdom would say if you need goals, you buy a striker. 
And we didn't. We bought a midfielder and he provided us with goals. And he also gave us a lot more than that as well. But Fulham buying Josh Madger at the time, they probably thought, well, we've we've found the player who can who can maybe get us a few more goals that we're looking for. And I I, I admit as well, when we signed Joe Willock, I thought, this isn't going to be enough. This isn't going to be enough. A young, unproven kind of player who's who yeah, he has scored a few goals, but he's you know, he's he's been limited in his chances at Arsenal and we haven't seen an awful lot of him, but my God, how he's proved us wrong. Yeah, and Newcastle absolutely incredible. Newcastle stuff. had a lot of centre central midfielders, didn't they? And, you know, we were kind of scratching our heads at why Sean Longstaff, Matty Longstaff, um, you know, sort of weren't weren't getting a look in. There was already Shelby, there was um there was obviously um Isaac and and others as well, and it just felt, well, is this really the priority? But no, I mean, again, fair play, it's been absolutely proved right, and they've shown that they can play, you know, on the, on the occasions when, when Wilson's been injured, they've shown that they can um, do do it a different way, and it should be pointed out that both, you know, Sheffield United and Fulham were the first time, first times at Newcastle have won without Wilson. Um, and so that's quite important, you know. That's quite important too. I don't know about you, Chris, but I was definitely sat there on Sunday afternoon, staring at the league table, just going, "How the how the fuck have we finished twelfth in the league? How has that happened? How is that possible?" When you think about the rest of the season, where we were a couple of weeks ago, it just doesn't seem like it was we were capable of doing it. Does no, it does feel incomprehensible in many ways, but. The, the that late season form they they really have picked up, and I think a few other teams have sort of just just switched off almost for the season. I mean, Southampton and Wolves have had very bizarre campaigns, but I think that 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 that, that contextualise that further. Newcastle are still ten points behind Aston Villa, who are eleventh. They're fourteen points behind the top ten, and I think that shows that there is a huge. I mean, there is there's four points separating Newcastle in twelfth and Brighton in sixteenth, and there's sort of a huge gap. Above and and that's where unfortunately Newcastle have become marooned within this sort of I don't know if it's a third tier of the top flight whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it with the, the sort of division within the divisions, and I mean we're grateful because at one point we thought they were going to be in the, that bottom three and that they, they could even go down and they've recovered to, to this position. But Steve Bruce at the start of the season said that the target w- was top ten. His remit may have been to survive, but his target was top ten. Well, Newcastle fell. 14 points short of that. There are various reasons why that was the case. Many of them unfortunate to do with COVID, to do with injuries, to do with other ends. But also, I do think that Newcastle, for the majority of the season until the late season burst, really did underperform. It was very, it wasn't, it wasn't good enough with the, the squad that they had. I, I've maintained all through the season that there are limitations to this squad, but I also think they are far better than they were when they were 17th. I think that 12th should be the sort of bare minimum for where this squad is really, particularly once Joe Willock's added to it. I do think that there shouldn't be that far behind the top 10. But to, to, if you'd said to me after Brighton that Newcastle were going to finish 12th, I would have just laughed in your face. So that, so that, turn, that mini turnaround has been quite extraordinary. But as George said, it's from a very, very low base. It is. And Newcastle finished 12th. Callum Wilson finishes as top goal scorer with 12 goals as well. Not bad. Double figures. He's... Uh... He proved himself to be the uh, very valuable asset that we thought he would be, and and some of his performances and some of his goals were were fantastic, and also kissing the camera and generally winking in the direction of the TV audience at times made my tummy fizz a little bit, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> but George, if we had to give marks out of ten for this season for Newcastle and Steve Bruce, what what were we thinking for this? It's very difficult. Um, it's very difficult, isn't it? I mean, a few That's weeks ago it was a two or a three, <laughs> and with the way they finished it, you know, I, I still think it's because, yeah, I mean, it's still. A, I, I I'll give it a five probably because of of where they've where they finished. I mean, you know, they finished thirteenth last year, and that was a kind of mirage. And I don't again, I'm not meaning that in a. I'm not meaning that to sort of be negative or critical. It was a mirage in the same way as finishing tenth under. Rafa was a mirage. I mean, he 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 fully accepted that and agreed with it and said that himself. That you know it was a season of struggle. Last season was a season of struggle. Um, you, you sort of belied by some very very positive results. And this season has been a season of struggle. It's been it's been horrible. It's been horrible to watch. If you're looking at overall league position, you'd say you'd say, you would have to say six or you know in Mike Ashley's Newcastle, it's probably a nine. Yeah, because you know it's job. I done. mean, we've only finished higher than that three times. It's job we, done the last, plus. It's what, job what is it, done. Fifteen years or something. It's job done plus. Yeah, but in terms of, I wouldn't go six. In terms of the way it makes you feel, and the you know, 
and and the slog of it, it's it's a four, it's a five. It just has to be, and I think that's almost being generous. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm almost at pains to give it a five, but I think that's probably where it lies for me as well. I think that that rally at the end of the season kind of pushes it up from a from a three or a two up to a up to a high four or a five. What about you, Chris? You're saying it's not a six. I think four. I mean, I can I can see why, and I think that we are sort of. Um, our opinions are slightly shaped by the fact of what we've seen over the, over the last few weeks and if it's on the late season revival then just on that period sort of an 8 or a 9 given where they were but I just as I said before I don't think I think this squad minimum should be 12th so in terms of in that on that basis and, and given that the pre-stated aim or ambition was to be top 10 and given how awful it was for so long and how almost how negative it's all been around the club and that isn't all to do that isn't all the fault of, of the of the club and of Bruce necessarily but I, I think they've contributed to that and I think that that has that has, has become toxic and damaging in its own sense and and so for everything in, in, in evolved and around the club I still think I can't go any higher than a four for for those reasons. It would have been before the late season arrival. See if they'd finished seventeenth or sixteenth, it would have been a two probably. But I, I'll I'll go four. I think just because I think I don't think we can forget the depths of. There were so many depths of really, really low ones, and we're gonna go we're gonna go on them in the awards. And I don't think we can forget how low it actually felt yeah. at those points. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's move on, chaps. This is going to be our last feature of the season. Are you feeling emotional, George? Um, well, in the sense I feel happy, yeah. You're happy that it's the last one? He's just delighted there's not a quiz. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's chuffed because there's no quiz. That's where it is. We are going to now present to you the Pod on the Time End of Season Awards some of this has been informed by Twitter polls and some of it is just our own stupid opinions and there are some obvious and important categories in there and there's some absolute nonsense as well so let's start at the top and best player or player of the season who do we think chaps George for you who is it I don't think there's any debate on this is it it's Callum Wilson I I think we just agree on that and move on don't we Callum Wilson, Chris as well. Yeah, you would you would agree with that? Yeah, it has to be Callum Wilson. I mean, Joe Willock gets an honourable mention. I think Alan St. Maxima needs an honourable mention as well, just yes. in terms of the, yep. the the ability he had to sort of transform the season when he came back, that Burnley game in particular, and the impact he had in a couple of matches. But Callum Wilson, take his 12 goals out of the team and, and it could have been uh, could have been very non-pretty. Uh, uh, so, so, so when I said, Callum Wilson, let's move on, you agree, but you just didn't agree to move on. Mm. We didn't move on. No. 51% of the vote he got out of nearly 1,200 people. Um, Callum Wilson with 51% of the vote. Joe Willock uh, with 26% of the vote. And Alan St-Maximin coming in with 22%. Other is 1%. Some of the other mentions, Jacob Murphy mm-hmm. had a decent season, but no, not clear of the season. Yeah. Federico Fernandez gets gets a good shout as well. Um, strong and solid at the back. And I think when he wasn't there, we really missed him. Uh, but Callum Wilson, without a doubt, uh, player of the season. Uh, there we go. So, next one. Best goal, George. This one's a little bit more... Uh... I can't remember anything, man. <laughs> it's like the quiz. I'll give you some you, options, This is yeah? the quiz. You're doing the quiz in a different way, you absolute bastard. <laughs> You're asking me questions about football. This is the quiz. Where's my dinger? Oh, well, you've been a football journalist and everything. I had a feeling you might know some of this Why? shit. Why? What have I ever right. done to give you that impression? <laughs> I see what you're doing so, here. I see season. what you're doing. You're getting the quiz in a different way. Go, Chris. Chris can first. I come to you? Because Chris, come on. Alan Maximal against Burnley. That was a good away. one. That's, I was there yeah. for that. I was there for that. I think both both were good, weren't they? Yeah. The away game was great. The away goal. Yeah, was I'm going to say that because I, I was there for that. They were terrible in that game again in the first half. They got that good draw against Tottenham after Brighton, but they were terrible in that game. And that I don't know. I think that sort of that moment was really important. That game was really important. Making the goal and then scoring the goal. And it was a beautiful goal. And it was like, we haven't seen anything like that, have we, really? I'm going to say that. I personally think the Allen to Maximum goal against Burnley, the, the, the away game, is the best goal. But my favourite goal is the Callum Wilson goal against Leicester when every single player in the team touched the ball uh, oh, yeah. before Wilson yeah. played a 1-2 with the post yeah, and then yeah. put it in the net. 
past Kasper Schmeichel. I thought that was a that was a wonderful piece of football. Chris, what about you? Are you saying St. Maximin against Burnley? Yeah, I as think well? Burnley away. I mean, the, the, in some ways, I think the home goal was almost a better technical goal. But as George said, I, I mentioned that this is it, I voted for it as my best goal in the piece I've done for for the Athletic on the sort of season review, just because of the importance of it. The, the that is the sort of moment where Newcastle's season was able to turn for the better towards the end. The Wilson goal at Leicester, I thought, was fantastic. I thought that that was the best football I've seen Newcastle play, yeah. and as a team goal. Certainly worth a mention, but yeah, I'd go St. Maximan away at Burnley. The mad thing is, and I've just I've watched both of the videos this morning, and both of St. Maximan's goals against Burnley, home and away, are almost identical. Almost identical. He picks the ball up near the halfway line or just inside his own half. He runs up the defence. He turns one way, he turns the other way, and he slots the ball in the corner. They're both really, really good goals, but I'm going to give it to the... Uh, the goal away against Burnley purely based on the fact that the cameraman had to pay to get back into the ground uh, after he sent him on a merry dance with that turn. So there you go. Goal of the season, Alan Maximan against Burnley away. So, Chris, best game. What do we think for best game? So I think there's a, there's a, there's a few ones to mention. I think that Everton away certainly should be mentioned again because of how stark it was given the depths in Newcastle had fallen to in, in January to suddenly go to Everton and, and really play very, very well. It was the first time we saw that split strikers false nine formation. So I'd, I'd mention that. Um, but then I think I think for me that the best all-round performance, the best I've seen Newcastle play away in, in quite a long time. And again, for the surprise of it, given the quality of the opposition, was Leicester 4-2 victory away. Certainly the first 80 minutes, I thought Newcastle were were excellent in attack and really could and perhaps should have scored even more. So that, that would that would get my vote. George, what about you? I'm not going to disagree with that. I mean, as I think I said in the pod after Leicester, I spent a bit of the first half feeling irritated because I was expecting Newcastle to lose comfortably. I've been looking forward to Arsenal. They lost very badly. I was not looking forward to Leicester and then they won comfortably. And so I was sort of irritated that I'd had no sense of anticipation my anticipation took a long time to catch up with what was actually happening in front of me but but no I mean I think that's clearly the clearly Newcastle's best performance of the season yeah same for me as well and that did win our poll as well with 84% of the votes just over a thousand votes on that uh, so Leicester 4-2 away from home is the game of the season um, honourable mentions as well for the Everton 2-0 away um, and also the 3-2 victory against Southampton with nine men which is quite an achievement let's be honest yeah I was uh, I, I was there and, and, I was there at that one I stood up I was like found myself standing up for the last five five minutes and it was sort of I did that was I think that was my first lockdown game that I actually got lost in as a game of football I mean it was pretty astonishing you know the circumstances but they they did show great great spirit and camaraderie that day to get through that I did enjoy that as a as a spectacle yeah not spectacle as a as a as an occasion and if we're giving out an award for the best game, we also have to, in the, in the interest of balance, obviously, we have to give out an award for the worst game. Now, there was a lot of choices How long have we got this. left on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> About 10 minutes, not even that. Um, Chris, worst game of the season. Now, Michael Walker, I remember when he came on, he said it was, it, was, it was Sheffield United, and then we mentioned a couple others, and he went, oh, God, I forgot about that. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Oh, jeez, I forgot about that. And that's how we felt putting this together. Um... Brighton away, Chris? I think it probably was Brighton away, but Brentford away, Sheffield United away. Oh, God. Um, oh. West Brom away. And although Newcastle didn't lose at West Brom, I th- that was that was Fuck. bad. Yeah, Newport was was very, very bad. Leeds. Leeds, Leeds, Leeds away. away. Remember that? Um, I, was, I, was, I, I was at Newport and I was really angry. I was angry that night, I have to say. Um and you know, I kind of wrote, sort of wrote, you know, what is this team trying to be? What is the, you know, what's going on? What's the idea here? And yeah, I was, I was pretty furious, albeit they, albeit they got through. Um, Sheffield United was appalling and important was, in terms it? of that, in terms of this, in, in sort of, in, in terms of what happened at the club then. Steve Bruce doing it his way and blah, blah, blah. And Graham Jones coming in, you know, we have to mention that. We have to mention how important uh, Graham Jones's impact has been. 
um, around yeah, around absolutely. the team. That was, but I was up. I was at Brighton. I'd driven all the way down, and um, so my I then got a speeding ticket on the way back, and absolutely fucked my knee going for a run with Chris, which my physio then blamed on being in the car. So I never want to go Brighton to go to Brighton again but it just felt it just felt like the end it did feel like the end we wrote that and in terms of that sort of yeah. numb dead feeling in the soul I I I would say Brighton away yeah I, f- I think Brighton I felt I felt completely numb Sheffield United I felt angry because Sheffield United had come off the back of not winning a game for god knows how long not won a game all season yeah not won yeah. a game all season yeah and then we turned up and you know rolled over and had our tummy tickled as we do uh, Newport, I felt embarrassed, uh, and yeah. the Leeds game, I just thought I don't understand what this team is. Um, there, there's been a lot of those points in the season where you look at the team and you think I don't know what we're trying to do. I don't know what we're attempting to achieve with this. Um, but that Brighton game was just beyond it, wasn't it? This podcast needs its own spin-off series to tackle this question. I think <laughs> it's pod on the does. I don't, I don't know what we'd call it, but yeah. <laughs> One of the time, time bad, bad shite time. games. Bad on the um, time, I don't know, yeah. Over 1,500 votes for this, by the way, which just shows you that people were more more inclined to vote on the what the worst game of the season was than they were for the best goal or the best game. Um, 1,543 votes, and Brighton took it with 55% of the vote. It would be lovely to put them all to bed now and not think about them ever again, wouldn't it? There we go. Right, so, um, okay, we get into a few of our more alternative awards now. Um, the next award is for Best Steve Bruceism of the Season. <laughs> this is the How's the Bacon Award, How's isn't it? the Bacon really? Award, yeah. yeah. Uh, still, I still so, wear that T-shirt. Steve Bruce has, has got away with words, hasn't he, Chris? And he sometimes he, I think he says things and doesn't realise what he said and then has to try and kind of backtrack or cover his tracks or whatever um and there's been times this season you know how's the bacon is the uh is the big sort of one isn't it one of my favorite ones happened after the last game after the very last game where he said um i will never ever say that 12th place is an achievement but it's an achievement there's a there's a there's, there's a way to separate the brucism because some people say that there's a there's a sort of endearing side to it where that it's almost like that yeah that sort yeah, of yeah, the yeah. how's the bacon sort of thing and that that, that those sorts of comments and then there'd be some people who go oh, well brucism will be the comments that they don't sort of like the histrionics the mass hysteria all that sort of stuff. this is this is more for the sort of ones which are a little, little bit yeah, a little side. bit inexplicable I, I'm gonna go for a one which is sort of almost in the middle and that would be the the sort of my way comment. I think that is a bit sort of in betweeny of the two of them because <laughs> yeah. it's still it still makes no sense. I still have no idea what it means. Uh, I've tried to get him to it several yeah. times, and it, it it's a one of those things where just there is something sort of almost endearing about hearing him say it, like the, the way that he said it. But equally at the same time, it was just like, well, what 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 does this mean? Still don't have a clue what it means, and it was that sort of inner Frank Sinatra of his. So that that would that would probably get my vote on that front. I'm just going to say the absolute shite, absolute fucking <laughs> hopeless after after Sheffield United, which was undeniably accurate. Yes. Well, I think the award for Steve Bruce's best Bruceism probably goes to that, doesn't it? How's the bacon, did you say? George, you're, you're going to have to dash off, aren't you? You've got something very important to do. So would you like to say goodbye to the dear listeners before you go at the end of the season? Yes, I would. In all seriousness, um, it's been it's been fab to um, to have this outlet to uh, to ve- to vent our spleens and to <laughs> chat over the course of the season. Um, I think we probably all need a break from each other's voices, but um, but uh, yeah, thanks ever so much for listening, and um, and see you on the other side. And um, let's look forward to more of the same. No, more of the same, but better. Less of the same. <laughs> Less of the same thanks. and better is what I mean. Yeah. Thank you, George. Thank you so much for this season as well. It's been great fun. Cheers, fellas. Right then, Chris, let's rattle through the rest of these awards before we finish. We've had to lose George due to time constraints, but the last couple of awards are the ones that I think we really need to talk about, and that is the Matt Ritchie Raji Award of the Year. Um, (laughs) And there's a number of possibilities for this one because with fans not being in the stadium, it's allowed us to hear 
everything that Matt Ritchie is barking at his teammates and at everyone else in the ground. And I have to say, it's that's been, been great the fun. one positive of um, fans not being there. That's an... been the one positive <laughs> of, of behind closed doors is that you can't hear Matt Ritchie just scream. It has, um, and I have to give an honourable mention to him um, for shadow headering in two of the goals that he set up as well from crosses, which is lovely to see. Um, <laughs> it's like that proper, like he feels it, doesn't he? He feels it with every fibre of his being. Um, so yes, so nominations. Here we go, Chris, for the Matt Ritchie Raji Award. Um, oh yes, I do love playing away after Callum Wilson's second goal against Leicester City. Uh, lads, this is fucking teamwork after uh, Joe Willock's goal <laughs> against Liverpool. And <laughs> my favourite, personally, how have you given that, you wee dick? Uh, <laughs> Shouted at a linesman uh, in a game early on in the season. Absolutely incredible stuff. Um, Chris, what do you reckon? I mean, I, I sort of love the. Oh yes, I do love playing away. I know it was. It's sort of. It's not quite the sort of um, mischievous Raji sort of way in some ways. It's not as but Raj. it is. It is just like yeah. him. It's just sort of Matt Richards that that sort of encapsulates his personality. That sort of desire to to win, that desire to get, but also the fact that he he enjoys that sort of the, the way that Newcastle playing. For him to be back in the team and have that energy, so that would probably get my vote. But uh, just in general, I just think I just think that if the TV companies want to come up with a new feature, which is going to prove it, just just make up Matt Ritchie throughout a game. That would just yeah, just make him up. Mike him up for the whole season and, and you know, put that out as a podcast yeah. every week is Matt Ritchie's <laughs> ranting through the games. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I mean, he's not been kicking people up the arse as much this season or smashing people around the head when they've been scoring. But I do think that with the... With the fans gone and the and you know the TV mics and cameras picking up every single word, we've found we've seen a different side to Matt Ritchie in this. The oh yes, I do love playing away it was great fun. Uh, and you know how have you given that you wee dick? Like this is the sort of stuff you wouldn't hear otherwise, isn't it? It's brilliant. I absolutely love it. So there we go, Matt Ritchie Award uh, for Raginess. Um, I'm, my personal award this season for sexiest bastard, Chris, goes to Callum Wilson. I don't know about you. Uh, I think that we'll have to mention Fabian Share as well. Would have to go in there somewhere, would he? Not particularly always, after the penalty, the penalty Fabian that was Cher. definitely a really good penalty. Now I can tell say that without George butting in and, and trying to disagree. Um, particularly since he got rid of, I wasn't a massive fan of the man bun. I have to be honest. Um, no, so, me neither. No, didn't like that. Since didn't that's like that. gone, Fabian Shears held on to that award for the last three seasons or so, hasn't yeah. he? And I think it's it's now time to hand it over. I to mean, Charlotte else. Robson would probably um, want us to mention is... uh, Martin Dubravka as well, just because of her infatuation with him. She would, but she'd be wrong. Uh, yeah. She would be wrong in that. <laughs> um, okay, uh, best goal celebration, Chris. Can you think of any? Uh, well, I'm still trying to work out what Willocks was at the weekend. I don't know what I don't know what the inspiration was behind that. The the kind of binocular goggles over yeah. the eyes thing. It was kind of a bit like the John Joe Shelby one, yeah, wasn't it? Um, but very so strange. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what that was, but yeah, I think that I think that probably. Sam Maxman's dance was that Burnley away? Was it was it Burnley away where he did this sort of dance? Well, he was, was by it was a bit away, weird because yeah. he was also by himself. I don't really know what happened there. When another sort of squad were near him, it made the dance better. <laughs> but equally, it was sort of like why aren't his teammates swamping him? It did. Um, so that one, or the other one, would probably be Matt Rich, Matt Ritchie shouting, "Oh yes, I do love playing away." I suppose is 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 this sort of celebration as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe Sam Maximin told everyone, you know, look, lads, if I come on and score, just keep the fuck away from me because I'm going to do something pretty special, and you're going to want to see this. So- <laughs> Although I'd, I'd also mention, uh, I'd also mention yeah. Joe Willock scoring in front of fans as well. That was in some ways as well, and, and run oh, to the corner. Yes, the fact that fans absolutely. are actually there I mean, to it- celebrate gave that extra as well. So. Fantastic. Yeah, I have to agree with that as well. Uh, right then, let's move on to our last category, uh, our final category of the uh, end of season awards. Uh- <laughs> And this is Alanson Maximan's tweet of the season. Uh, <laughs> Alanson Maximan's been brilliant on Twitter, hasn't he, Chris? And and he's sort of you know he's embraced the fans and he's embraced the kind of the fun side of replying to other teams' fans and stuff like that, and the meme culture and all that sort of stuff. And I love I just going through the tweets this morning and last night when I was looking through the different stuff that he's posted. Even just in the last six weeks, there's some absolute classics in there. And um, I have to say, the 
after the last game of the season, I'm looking for a song that a lot of people sent me in March, but I can't remember the title. It was something like Sunland's going up and the mags are going down. Who can help me, please? Question mark. He just captures the mood, doesn't he? <laughs> just he just he just sort of he plays to he does. And it, it, it is in many ways it is playing the sport, and I think in some ways it's not always necessarily him who's always doing them. I think there are people in the round room, but but equally just to to. to let people feel that close to someone, and there is a, as well as the fun side of them. There's also that brilliant side of. I think there was the the DM that someone put out last week of how he'd replied to to, to some fan last time if they wanted his, his 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 shirt as well. It's just a he's he really has embraced that so because there's yeah. the hilarious ones, and you're going to go through a few more. But I just think as well, yeah. just it fans want to feel close. Social media allows them to feel close. There's some very negative elements to social media as we've been through before, there but is. equally that is the positive side of social media where fans can sometimes feel closer to the, the the players I love absolutely he's been absolute box office at times hasn't he since he came to Newcastle um, and the, the the replies and the tweets and stuff are great and there's a couple of fantastic ones here there's uh, Johnny Gabriel who's uh, Johnny Sharples on Twitter who, uh, who I know is a great lad um, fantastic tweeter if that's a thing uh, what are you going to do if Lionel Messi asks for the number 10 shirt this was during all the takeover business and he replied I will wake up <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. Um, Patrick Williams, who was an Everton fan, uh, commented to say, overrated playout wouldn't even make our bench. And Alan's Maxman replied with, thank you for your comment, Patrick, and a picture of a microphone pointing at a bin. <laughs> Which I, <thought> was... <laughs> I love that. Um, uh, Luke G3402 said, I've been told I look like St. Ma- Alan St. Maximan, and there's a picture of Luke, and obviously he looks nothing like Alan St. Maximan. And Alan replied, Can't see myself which one is me. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, <clears throat> this one's possibly my favourite one, which was. Uh, this is my favourite as well, I think. Yeah, well, this is probably my favourite one, which was after the after the Leicester game, wasn't it? Um, and he's put F, star, 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 which is fucking get in, lads. Penai Copter is probably flying high, which is a lovely throwback to the the player at Oxford, the fan at Oxford, who got his wang out and waved it around after Hanson Maximan scored a goal in the FA Cup. Just harking back to, to times gone by. Wonderful stuff. Um, Joe Willock scoring the last minute winner or equaliser. I can't remember which game it was from, but Anson Maxman posting a guy with a, an inhaler hanging out of his mouth. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last one, uh, BT Sport posting Fabinho had absolutely no interest in a foot race with Anson Maximan. And before, haha, I'm going to win that foot race with Fabinho glasses, uh, sunglasses emoji. And afterwards, it's the picture of the kid just completely wiped out and all of the letters underneath uh, after Fabinho just ran into him and smashed him. Uh, but yeah, Alanson, I think the Alanson Maximan social media award this season goes to Alanson Maximan, doesn't it? <laughs> it, I, th- I think so. I think that he gets that. And my personal favourite, I agree with you. I think is the is the peony copter one. I just thought it was. I thought that was just, oh, it's just genius. <laughs> I wonder if anyone from the clubs went, Alan. You might want to just, you know, just have a little think about this. You know, just just do us a favour. Because um, I remember when he first signed, he went on on BBC Newcastle, didn't he? And he and he was and he effed and jeffed a bit when he was on there on the radio. He did, yeah. And it was about that. There was there was a brilliant element of that though, because it was human. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And that brings out the sort of human element of it as well. And that that's why sometimes sometimes footballers can be too polished in this sort of media. Trend, uh, yeah. We don't get to see their personality, whereas he he is. He is. Uh, he does have that that sort of unique. I mean, he's one hundred percent personality, isn't he? That lad. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Never ever leave us, Alan. Love you so much. Well, Chris, there we go. That's it. That's everything. Just before we finish, just want to say England squad has just been provisional. England squad has just been confirmed. No Newcastle United players. All oh, right. No well, Newcastle United players. No Andy Carroll. Oh. Don't know what happened there. No, not sure what's happened there. No Mike Williams. Must have been close. Or James Perch. <laughs> I mean, there were a few rumours this morning that, that, that Joe Willock might have a sort of outside chance, generally because of it seemed that Gareth Southgate was looking at uh, younger um, sort of players to maybe fill out his, his provisional squad, yeah. but but he hasn't made it. So yet again, no Newcastle United players. In if he played squad. like uh, if he played like he's played for the last few weeks at Arsenal, Chris, do you think he might have got a nod? 
I think he might have done. I know. think he would have been in the provision. I think he would have been in this thirty-three man provisional squad. Yeah, I think that that's the that's the Newcastle United players just don't just don't get picked for I'm England. I'm not saying conspiracy that, theory. I was joking there, in, in in many ways, and and Willock would be the only one who'd say about if had an outside chance. And I think I mean I don't I don't really watch England, so I don't know enough about the actual team to to say it. But I I, I think in the past there have been Newcastle players wrongly overlooked. But I, I do believe if Willock had been playing for Arsenal, he would probably have been in this provisional squad. Definitely. Well, Chris, that's it, mate. That's it. It's been emotional. It's been very real, hasn't it? I think that's probably the best, <laughs> best way to use it. It's been very real, hasn't it, this season? Um, it's been good fun. I've loved every single minute of it, and I've loved. Uh, I loved. I've loved the crack between between you and, and and George and myself and all the guests and stuff that we've had on as well. It's been really, really good. Uh, um, can't wait for next season. Can't wait to get back to it. Me neither. It's no. It's it, it. As George says, it is a it is a wonderful way to sort of vent in many ways and sort of release. But but just I want to thank everyone for the the support out there. People who listen and people who comment and when when you when you see some people tweet us and say. Oh, it's like my this. Uh, I wait for this every week and download yeah. it, and then I listen to it when I'm walking the dog or doing whatever. The the, the buzz that that gives you is, is is huge, and it just it makes it it makes it, it worthwhile. And if we've been any sort of a tiny release for a tiny period for people during what has been a very very difficult year, eighteen months, then um, I feel humbled by that. I feel humbled for everyone listening. And thank you so much for the support. And yeah, we absolutely love doing this. I love doing this with with you guys. And, and thank you everyone for listening. We do, we do, and we can't wait to come back next season and and do some more of this as well. Well, there you go. Thank you so, so much for listening to Pod on the Time this season. It's been an absolutely amazing year for us, and we've been so lucky to share it with you, the listeners. There's been amazing guests, Alan Shearer, Jose Enrique, Warren Barton. There's been some fantastic, passionate and dedicated fans like Alex Hurst, Kendall Rowan, Charlotte Hope, Thomas Concannon and many more. And there's been some wonderful members of our wider athletic family as well. Matt Slater, Amy Lawrence, Andy Jones, Michael Walker, Pete Rutzler and more. There's been ups and downs. There's been lots of meat chat. There's been quiz-based tantrums and some industrial language, of course. And while football hasn't felt like football for a long time, it's really been an honour and a privilege to bring you these weekly episodes for The Athletic. As we've learned in this last year, football will be nothing without fans, and this podcast would be nothing without its army of loyal listeners. So from myself, George and Chris, our fantastic producers Ollie and Adonis, and all the lads and lasses at The Athletic who help us make this podcast possible, we say thank you, have a fantastic summer, enjoy the Euros, and we'll meet again one sunny day on the Gallagher End. See you later. Fuck, I nearly got through all of that in one go. Bastard. You did pretty well. You did pretty well. It was only it was only one little slip, but you did pretty yeah. well to be fair. Hey, well there you go. So we don't have to we don't we don't have to advertise any sort of bollock stripper or anything like that, do we today? <laughs> bollock bollock stripper. Chris Woff's bollock stripper. <laughs> the Athletic. <laughs>